intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. You heard the man. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. And with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Job Turkey Nano. How we doing? We are doing great. We are gobbling away. We're just chucking and jiving, man, on this fine Monday morning after a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. Very thankful. Ate a lot of food. Like I told you on a personal note, I was a little bit sick, but after that, didn't let us, uh, didn't let that slow us down, man. We still made time to enjoy the weekend, and now we're off to a great start. And uh, excited to have a little bit of a unique episode here today for you uh, listeners. So I'm excited, man. Ready to jump on in. With that being said, I'm super stoked about it too, man. It is a little bit of a unique episode, folks. You heard the man. We're not going to be breaking down this weekend's UFC fights. Why, you ask? Well, there wasn't any. We didn't have any UFC fights this weekend. So, um, you know, I mean, it happens. It doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, when it does, we have to take a step back and, and just, um, you know, take witness, bear witness, uh, and see what else there is to entertain our, you know, skilled violence fan minds. So um, that's what we did, folks. We, we scoured the net and we looked up to see what we could find to talk about for this Monday episode. And it ended up landing on none other than the Professional Fighters League, a.k.a. the PFL. Um, now, before we jump into it, got to shout out to those in the chat that are here supporting us. What up, Tico Tech? Love seeing you here. Uh, he says, what up, boys? And we say what up right back, my guy. Was good, brother. Good to see you. Let's go. So uh, we're going to be breaking into the PFL here. We're we're not going to go over all of the undercard. I did have one specific fight that I wanted to talk about on this undercard, though. Um, of course, you probably already can guess what it is, right? Or who it is, rather. I'm talking about the ex-football player turned MMA fighter who happens to be a direct descendant of... The late, great Muhammad Ali, the one, the only. We're talking about Biagio Ali Walsh. Um, this man has really started to make a name for himself, if I'm being honest. Uh, but when it comes to amateur mixed martial arts, this man is on television fighting amateur, uh, which is already like, what? You, you know, like, already give the man his roses for that. Uh, but 
That being said, he lost his very first amateur fight to a young man named Devin Rothwell. He lost in the second round, just two minutes and six seconds in via rear naked choke submission. Now, fast forward a handful of years. And when I say a handful of years, I mean just one. Uh, because since then, and mind you, that was just back in June of 2022. The young man has strung together not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six Amateur wins in a row after losing his first amateur fight. Uh, mind you, every single one of those has gone less than two full rounds and has finished via TKO or KO. Uh, the first four after that first loss were first round finishes. Very, very quick finishes, uh, might I add. And the man has dynamited his hands. He doesn't have the finesse of his grandfather, Muhammad Ali, but the man, he's got it. And uh, it was no different going in here against Joel Lopez um, in the PFL here to open up, or not to open up, but on the undercard before these championship bouts that we had in the PFL. Um, I thought it was a phenomenal win for him, but I, I do have to address the elephant in the room. Before I do that, though, don't want to steamroll through this entire episode. Nano, what were your thoughts, or rather, what are your thoughts on the young Ali? I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, and I'll throw my quick two cents in here because you're on a heater, man. I love when you're steamrolling. Uh, but Biagio, man, we, we got to remember the name here. Biagio Ali Walsh. I mean, not only because he is an Ali, but he's going to make a name for himself here. Biagio Ali Walsh, right? And like you said, I mean, Grandpa is the greatest of all time. The GOAT, literally. We're talking about Muhammad Ali here. So in terms of the lineage, in terms of the motivation, in terms of having the right people around you, and having that deep why, I mean, it's it's literally in his blood. So you got to already give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, being that he is a 6-1, uh, or a 6-1, excuse me, uh, being 5-10 at that uh, lightweight division, 155, rangy, and he uses that range really, really well um, in terms of being able to throw the combinations, string them together. Obviously, we knew that. Again, he's an Ali. The boxing pedigree was going to be on par. But what you said uh, earlier, what makes him special is he does have that knockout capability. It's one thing to be able to pepper you. One thing, you know he's going to come in with the fundamentals, but he's got that special touch that tends to put people out. And it's maybe you know maybe it's his technique. <clears throat> maybe it's just some of that God-given capabilities. Uh, but what you do notice is sharp punches that are thrown. He's a rangy fighter in the lightweight division. Uh, and he's going to be a problem at just 25 years old, just scratching the surface. Again, this is mixed martial arts, so I I'm great to see him already getting those seven amateur uh, fight fights under his belt, getting more experience, the more the merrier. And, and PFL is a great place to continue to get that experience in this season-style formatting where you really, if you're healthy, you're going to be active, you know, and there's, there's a motivation to continue on, and, and there's obviously that big payday. I don't know if that's exactly why he's doing it, but regardless, dude's super talented. Uh, and this kid, Biagio, man, I, I think he's going to be making a name for himself here. So I'll get, give the mic back to you, brother. But um, yeah, he had a great performance. And uh, this is someone I think we'll be talking about much more often here in the upcoming year to, uh, to come. Oh, can you hear me? There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Amateur hour here, folks. No, uh, so this guy is absolutely impressive. I agree with everything you said. Um, picking up what you're putting down 100% here. Now, the elephant in the room that I was saying we have to address here is he's still fighting amateurs and he's still fighting as an amateur himself. The man needs to be promoted or rather step up himself to professional fighting. He's fighting for a promotion called 
the Professional Fighters League. Okay, and, and he's he's an amateur, and he's fighting amateurs uh, on on preliminary cards with their biggest card of the year. Come on, like that's that's an elephant that I had to address here, folks. I mean, again, we call it the no filter show because there's no filter here, right? Like we're we're not here to, to sugar sugarcoat everything for you because that's gonna make you just more unhappy in the end. You're gonna have a belly ache. You're gonna look at yourself in the mirror and be like, why they sugarcoat everything? Um, anyways. Yajio Ali Walsh, he is a beast. Now, you mentioned something that stood out to me for sure. Is it technique? Is it God-given grit and just like strength? He has that touch. I think it's a bit of both. Um, in this last one, he specifically just like did a duck roll, like classic, but he threw and just hit with like the side of his hand, inside of his hand, splat. And um, he nailed his opponent so hard, he made his opponent literally just like drop guard and turn around like i don't want to be here um and then he of course ate a follow-up left uh for his troubles from behind so not only does he put people away or put people to sleep but the people that he's not able to put to sleep from what i've seen he makes quit so i'd like to see what happens when he's faced with someone that doesn't quit like a shane burgos i know that's way way getting ahead of ourselves here but shane doesn't have a, a ton of years left He's under the PFL roster. We want to make use of that name. You want to build Diageo Ali Wash. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's crazy to give him somebody on the lower tier of the PFL lightweight rankings and let him work him let him work himself into the actual million dollar prize pool here. I love that, brother. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a great litmus test for him. Again, you know, in terms of mixed martial arts and, and the rule set here in PFL, which I do think we're gonna to touch on a little bit later. Because I did find some things unique that I didn't realize about PFL. But all things considered, you still got to have a good ground game. Not going to point any of these. But um, you still have to have a good ground game. You still have to be able to mix it up. And Shane Burgos does a great job of mixing it up. I think if it was just a striking match, boy, that is that is fun for the fight fans out there in the world. And that would be a big uh, statement for the PFL. I almost want to throw an asterisk in there if Shane Burgos decides to sit there and stand for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, however long the event is, because he does have a great, uh, well-rounded game. And we just don't know where Biagio is at. You know, how much grappling has he gotten done? Where is he at on the jujitsu scale? Or is he a wrestler background? I mean, really, I don't know much else other than just I'm very confident he has that boxing pedigree. But what, what other disciplines does he have? And does he have an answer? For, for those types of tests. So this that would be a fun one. I wouldn't be mad with that. And I think the, the thing is, or the reality is, with the PFL and where you're at, with the momentum, with this kind of announcement, you got to make some splashy uh, fights, some splashy announcements. And this is a way to do it right here for sure. One hundred percent agree with that. Um, so... I mean that that that's it for me. If we're talking about kind of the undercard here, I don't think we need to go over any of the rest of the the ones on this undercard. Obviously, you know we had the Jesus Pinedo coming in against Gabriel Braga for the title fight. There, um, Jesus Pinedo defeated him via TKO in round three, just fifty eight seconds in. Uh, I think that's the most we really need to talk about that fight. It was kind of a, a knock him out, drag out fight until that knockout, um, and. People are here for the juice, right? People are here for for the, the solid, like the, the, the main card fights here. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. We know people want to hear about 
Crash Bandicoot himself, a.k.a. Blonde Brunson. So, um, and of course, I call him Crash Bandicoot because look at the way he's built. He's genuinely built, literally, like Crash Bandicoot. Uh, so that being said, he came in here against Ray Cooper the third, who looked... Ooh, he looked rough on the scales, and he looked rough in the, uh, the the circle there in the cage. Man, it was tough to see. It was tough to witness. It was tough to watch. And, of course, Derek Brunson got it done via unanimous decision. Uh, one of the judges actually gave it a 30-27, which if you watch that fight, what were you watching? 30-27? It was obviously a 30-25. That was just a – man, that was just an ass-whooping, man. Um I thought it was pretty pretty much one-way traffic there in favor of Derek Brunson. Honestly, I thought this was the way that this fight was going to play out. Derek Brunson coming from the UFC is an absolute stud there. He's fought the, the who's who's in the UFC. He's fought the, the Israel Adesanya's. He's fought the – I mean, he, he's fought everybody, right? So that being said, um, you had to think that he was going to go out there and uh, not only – show off but show out and get it done and, and that's exactly what happened folks so that being said nano what were your thoughts on that fight <laughs> absolutely great intro there brother um i'll start with Derek bandicoot aka blonde brunson and yeah 39 years old man he was able to turn back uh the clock father time here and 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 beat him in a sense it was really interesting to watch i would say i was surprised i think the biggest knock on Derek brunson and like you mentioned he's been we've seen a lot of him in the ufc and what we've seen a lot of when he's lost is that gas tank just i mean dissipates faster than faster than uh you can imagine i mean it is it's bad it's as bad as it gets it's we've seen some of the worst performances in the ufc from his lack of a gas tank or just frankly almost almost fully shutting down in the octagon but hey at 39 years old maybe just a change of scenery maybe being a little bit more motivated and he actually mentioned this in the post fight uh, about making maybe a little bit more money this time around he was able to dig deep and um yeah maintain his cardio and beat a young and uh, talented fighter in Ray Cooper the third, aka Brada Boy, uh, at 30 years old. I mean, 25 and nine, similar record, 16 KOs uh, under his belt. So you know, going into this, you, you got to imagine. I mean, this is a good test for Derek Brunson, a good test for Ray Cooper the third, who was able to hang around. He was going up a weight division though as well, and Derek Brunson able to use that seven inch reach again, that bandy coots bandit uh style punching and uh body morphism is um able to get him the win here so it was a fun one for sure um i'm how i laugh at the speed of the strikes here and you know brunson only throwing at 15 uh, mile an hour striking speed that's like a little thing they tend to have here on the pfl statistics different than ufc a little unique there but, um, yeah, overall, great performance by Derek Brunson. Excited to see what's next for him. And this is a big name. And, again, this adds validation. This adds uh, main card attraction. Uh, this has pay-per-view appeal. This has, uh, you know, ticket sales. Uh, Derek Brunson's someone that you're going to want to push. And at 39, I mean, geez, get a bit back in there. I don't know when that new season's going to be. But uh, I'm excited to see him come back on top here. You know, he's been in there, like I said, against the who's who's. And these guys that we're talking about are still top five in the world, or at least in the UFC, which you can argue are also in the world. So, hey, I mean, throw him up in there, see what he's got. And again, this will further validate the organization. 
Because if someone beats them, they're going to take all that steam as well. And that's a big feather in the cap. So excited for him. Definitely excited for him as well. Um, I, again, I thought Derek Brunson, that was the, the best possible debut he could have had in the PFL. Um, and he made it look pretty pretty close to effortless. Um, someone that also made things look pretty effortless was Kayla Harrison going in there against Asman Ladd, former UFC fighter. Uh, not necessarily a former UFC title fighter, uh, but you know she's fought a who's who in her divisions in the UFC. She's missed weight. Uh, almost as many times as she's fought in the UFC was very surprised to see her make weight at PFL. Um, again, you know, I've, I've got to call a spade a spade here. I've got to talk about the fact that you know it felt like they were on stage at a sitcom. Um, whenever she was weighing in, she's all <laughs> on the scale, like laughing and like smirking as if like the, like, she knew she was going to make weight and I don't know, maybe poking fun at herself for missing weight so many times, but either way, it just felt weird. There was something that felt off about it. And, and then of course, going into the fight, it, it kind of felt like a UFC sacrificial lamb. I genuinely tweeted about this a year ago when they first picked up Aspen lad. Uh, you can check the record, bud. But again, I knew this was going to happen. Kayla Harrison is an absolute beast. Um, Congrats to Larissa Pacheco. She is a testament to the fact that if you run a fight so many times over and over again, it, you're bound to get a win over somebody that's beaten you twice before or three times before. And that's what happened with her and Kayla Harrison last time they fought. I digress. Kayla Harrison versus Aspen Ladd is what we're talking about. We'll talk about young Pacheco later. But man, good Lord. I was I was looking around at Aspen Ladd throughout that entire fight. And, and I was looking for offense. Like, She's on the defense of the entire time, bro. <laughs> She's walking back to the corner. I'm so sorry. I cannot swing tonight. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, no, I mean, no offense. I mean, Aspen Lad, definitely what I felt was going to be a, a big test for Kayla Harrison. At least, you know, hey, someone that was coming from the UFC has been in there with the who's who. Can she actually make this? Uh, tough for Kayla. Can't she make her uncomfortable? And no. I mean, she just really didn't have an answer. I know the pressure. I know Kayla does have sort of a funky style to her. The way she's jerky and moves around, you know she's going to eventually try to shoot. And she's crafty when she gets close. So you, I think you're just so cautious of where she is in the spacing at all times. You have to be, right? If she, I mean, if you get in the clinch with her, if, if she try to trip you, just straight bulldoze you into the ground. I mean, there's a lot of different ways she could come at you. So it's, it's different when you're in there, right? I think you kind of just happen to unfortunately see one of those just neutralizing of, uh, of a, a fighter where Kayla was just too much. Right. Um, yeah. And completely shut Aspen lad down. And like you mentioned, Larissa Pacheco, someone we'll talk about an absolute savage, but Kayla Harrison is too. And, you know, at 33 years old, I mean, she's 16 and one, I'm curious to see what's next. I mean, she's obviously the poster child uh, here for PFL. You know, maybe you continue to try to uh, go for the million dollars and get that title back. Maybe you run that back with Larissa Pacheco. Or maybe you look at this Bellator roster. Um, I I think, I don't know if she called out Cyborg. I I know Cyborg's in talks to maybe fight someone else as well. But there certainly are some names. I mean, Cyborg would be a fun one, regardless of if it's for like a PFL title or not. I mean, I think that fight at any time would would attract eyeballs, could 
put butts in seats. Um, and it's a big legacy fight, you know, at this stage in her career, again, she's 33 years old, cyborg. Jeez, ah, I don't know how old she is now. I have to double check here, um, quickly, but again, I mean, it's, um, that, that would be the fight to make. I, I don't know what's next for her outside of maybe trying to go to the UFC, but if that's never in the cards, then you almost got to book cyborg sooner than later. Now that she's 38 years old as well. What are your thoughts there, brother, about Kayla, her performance, or what's next for for her and her career at this stage, given her accomplishments? I definitely think that the only thing that really makes sense for her is a fight against Chris Cyborg. Um, I I will say if they want to do like a spectacle fight or a really big money fight, uh, the only other fight other than that that makes sense for her, because she's already won the PFL championship like two, three times. Um, Larissa Pacheco now apparently has her number, so it's it, it makes more sense for her to fight on the PFL like big super fight series, right? Um, I say they sign Ronda Rousey for a one-fight fight deal and have Ronda Rousey fight her at 145. Ooh, bring Ronda back? Is she looking to make a comeback? I remember that was being whispered. I mean, she's still only 36. I mean, that'd be interesting. They're both judo can like their judo strong background. So I I just think it'd be a really fun matchup. Do I think Ronda has a shot or would win? Not necessarily, but I do think it'd be a very fun matchup. Um, Do you think they could pay Amanda Nunes enough to come back? Or do you think she would not go against UFC? Probably not. huh? Not a chance. I don't think so. That's the one that's always, I think we've always wanted, right? Deep down. I think she beats Amanda Nunez. I think she's a problem for Amanda Nunez. She's huge, bro. She's a monster, dude. She's an absolute monster of a human being. Um, Speaking of monsters, Impa Kazangane. What an absolute Cinderella story. Uh, Fun fact. If you've seen him, and you haven't watched the PFL, or you recognize the name, maybe you don't really know why, it's because he was on the receiving end of probably the knockout of the century against Joaquin Buckley. Um, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Like It definitely was this, the knockout of the century. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like his opponent threw a body kick. He caught the body kick. And then his opponent jumped up and did a spinning back wheel kick from hell, midair, suspended clipped his head clipped impa's head and, and sent him to the shadow realm um and packing from the ufc shortly after that but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to him because i i can tell you right now that joaquin buckley as much as i love him numansa is not getting paid a million dollars to fight in the ufc he's lucky if he's getting paid 40k to fight in the ufc right now without that 50k fight of the night bonus or performance bonus um meanwhile the guy that was on the receiving end of that knockout of the century what happened he went to the freaking PFL, not only entered the actual season, but won the whole damn thing for his division, which means he cashed a million-dollar check here, folks. The PFL paid off for this young man. He got the win over Josh Silveira in this five-round title fight, took him to the unanimous decision, 50-45, 50-45, every single judge. Had it the same exact way, folks. And you you absolutely love to see it, truly. Again, this young man has just, he's he's the Cinderella story. He has put in absolute work. 
And for him to go out there and get the unanimous decision like that and get a million dollar check like that, it's just honestly, it's beautiful to see. It absolutely is, brother. My two cents are it's he's someone you're on a route for. And like you said, I mean, obviously, as someone that will unfortunately, notoriously, infamously be associated with uh, being on the receiving end of the worst knockout of all time, or maybe the best, depending on who you ask. Tim, it's probably the worst. Tuss, probably one of the best. Um, but yeah, man, Impa since then, I mean, you love to see this from, uh, again, 29 years old. He's 15 and three, well-rounded fighter, able to put it all together. And, uh, you know, again, I, it's a lot of exciting things to come. You know, I think you mentioned it here and why this is why we're talking about it is that it's a Cinderella story. You know, and I think that you got to sell the story and and PFL can't do any better than pump this guy up, get his story out there for the public. That's why, you know, Francis Ngannou captured the world. That's why Conor McGregor coming from humble, humble beginnings, you know, although his mouth certainly helps. But the performances and then having a story to tell um, are all reasons why we're going to tune back in. So congratulations to him. Super excited. I mean, again, 29 years old. Sky's the limit. Um, I think he said he might have called out Ngannou, which I don't know if that's going to happen. He was on the Anik Florian show today. <laughs> he or, did. Uh, the he other did day. call out yeah. Ngannou. He said he would go up in weight class. The, the, the most he's weighed is like 235, but he said he could get the win over him at 235. Honestly, I think if, if I'm being real with you here, it sounds to me like a case of a young man just really trying to seal the deal. And, you know, he already won a million dollars. If he gets a fight against Francis Ngannou, go to the bank twice because it's a guaranteed $2 million. He negotiated that for his opponents in the PFL deal. Nice. Yeah. I mean, again, that's that's huge. I mean, he knows what he's doing there. That's the cash cow and the person you want to call out. But I think if you're in Ghana, I don't see a benefit there. And I would be surprised if that happens. Might be a failed attempt there, unfortunately, for Impa. But I love the enthusiasm. Love where his head's at. <laughs> if you ask me, I would say that Ngannou's scared because uh, we all heard the call out, but Ngannou's been quiet. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Ngannou would probably kill that guy, but I, I do love the story. I thought it was fantastic. That was a really funny call out. Again, just to me, it seems like someone who's really just trying to secure the bag. Uh, speaking of securing the bag, guys, the, the next four fights we're going to talk about here. Um, rather than the last five fights of the, the conversation are all title fights. They're all million-dollar title fights. That's what PFL does. Uh, so Magomed, Magomed Kerimov went in there against Sadibusai, who is an absolute beast. Um, Sadibusai is a, a knockout artist, just long, lanky, um, very MVP-like with his shot selection and strength. Uh that being said, I knew this fight was going to be a landslide victory for Magomed Magomed Karimov. Uh, Magomed Karimov is a beast in the grappling sector, and that's exactly what we saw, right? Um, we had two 10-9 rounds in rounds one and two, and then, of course, in round three, Sai was trying to stay active with kicks. He was using his length to his advantage, uh, but Magomed Karimov connected with a sharp straight right to the body, rushed in, and caught a defensive side ducking in. Um before Sai could counter, Magomed Karadov bit down on a guillotine choke, jumped the guard, and activated his hips. I, I mean, it was it was all murder she wrote, man. Uh, Magomed Karimov is a technician on the ground. He's an absolute stud in the grappling realm. 
And this was to me, just another night at the office for him. Um, what were your thoughts on that fight? Nano, did you think that Sadi Busai had a chance in that fight before it started or not? I think anyone has a, a punch's chance, right? I mean, regardless of the odds, regardless of the pedigree, um, you never know what's going to happen. But I, you, you knew about Magomed, Magomed Kirimov. I mean, not only is he a Magomed, that's, I mean, that's half the battle. That's already a scary name in and of itself. I do got to admit, though, when I see someone that is as decorated as him, I mean, coming into this fight, 34 and 6, uh, 13 knockouts, 10 submissions. And since his loss to Ray Cooper in 2021 in the first PFL Championship Series, he's on a six, well, before this fight, he was on a five-fight win streak. So going into it, you know, this guy has all the tools in the toolbox. And yeah, really for someone like uh, Cy, he would have had to, I feel, uh, best path to victory at this age is to try to put uh, Magomed out early, um, not stick around and, and make it a muddy fight. I mean, not to discredit uh, Sabadu Sai, because uh, he is has had an accomplished career. <clears throat> he actually beat Rory McDonald after losing to Magomed back in 2021 in uh, one of the initial PFL uh, 7 uh, playoff series. So... This guy has his number. I mean, he's been on a, a great streak, but at 37 years old, uh, Father Time stays undefeated, and uh, Magomed just had to reconfirm that he has his number here. So, at, at anyone has a puncher's chance. You've seen Derek Brunson at 39 years old beat the younger competitor, but Magomed's a tough guy. He's someone that uh, needs to be reckoned with. And again, excited to see what's next. I mean, this guy is a very talented fighter. Uh, was able to just, I feel, just really apply just too much pressure for Sai. Um and sometimes pressure does lead to creating diamonds, but not in this case. So, uh, good fight by Magomed. And for the audio listeners, I'm wearing my Dustin Diamond Poirier shirt. Uh, so, quick shout out. Let's go. Big Dustin Poirier fans here. Um, you already know how it is, or you already know what it is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Sadi Busai, he's, he's a great fighter, but like you said, Magomed Karimov's got his number. He's got, he's, he's just, he's got him. He's got him pinned down. Um, or at least he did on Saturday or, or rather black Friday. So <clears throat> moving into the next fight, we had the PFL 2023 women's featherweight championship of the world. And it was between none other than Larissa Pacheco coming in against Marina Moknoktina, um, which is a fun name to say, my goodness, but I digress. That fight was just another decision. Man, we couldn't get away from some of these decisions. Uh, it was a very, very low finish rate of a night on the PFL World Championship card. This one did not shy away from that. Um, so what happened in this fight? Well, in the first round, it was a 10-9 Pacheco for sure in my eyes. Um, Pacheco obviously eyeing her second consecutive PFL championship uh, albeit in a different weight class. Now, <clears throat> she was facing, like I said, Makantina for the $1 million women's featherweight final. Pacheco is an absolute beast. Um, fighting out of Brazil, coming in against the Russian. Uh, she she brought it to her across all fronts of the fight. 
She ate shots moving in, but that's one of the best things about Pacheco is she's willing to eat these shots and continue moving forward, almost like a Korean zombie-esque fighter. And that's what we saw on full display. Now, in the start of the second round, she stepped to the center of the cage. Uh, her opponent, Mukatina, looked exhausted. Understandably so. I mean, she just absorbed a, a lot of hurt and, and was forced to work a lot for that first five minutes, if we're being honest here. Now, obviously... Um, she was able to complete a takedown, but back on the feet, Pacheco started stalking her again like a wolf stalking its prey. Again, uh, it was not one-way traffic, but it was fairly evident that Pacheco had taken that second round again in my eyes. Uh, moving into the third and fourth rounds, again, it was a lot more of the same, if I'm being honest with you. I... I think realistically Mocatino only won maybe one round uh and that was the fifth and final round now Pacheco did really well in that round too but uh Mocatino did really really well she actually secured top position postured up in full guard applied a lot of ground and pound and I mean she looked pretty solid um and Pacheco for whatever reason just kind of conceded position and was was willing to stay on the bottom probably because she knew that she wasn't going to be able to get the knockout or rather wasn't going to be knocked out by her opponent she'd already felt her powerful shots and she already knew that she was probably up four rounds um i still hate to see a fighter willing to to just concede position like that and, and take a beating um especially when we know that pacheco is actually solid on the ground so curious to hear your thoughts on that fight but again Fairly dominant performance for the most part from Larissa Pacheco. Yeah, extremely dominant by Larissa Pacheco, and she's an absolute savage. I mean, I'm going to give her flowers here, but before I do that, I uh, want to give Marina Magnatina Mok uh, to. Oh man, I don't know. I'm not going to even try it again. Um, but again, very talented girl. Uh, she's a very talented Sambo uh, competitor who really her only blemish, and she came from Bellator. I wanted to note that as well. Uh, but her only blemish in the PFL was a loss to a Kayla Harrison back in 2022, which most people lose a Kayla Harrison nowadays, uh, unless you're Larissa, Larissa Pacheco, that is. But since then, she was on a five-fight win streak. And uh, this is just a tough matchup, right? I mean, Larissa Pacheco, although Marina has uh, had her path to victory and was able to get some success and get her to the ground, making it muddy, threw up some submission attempts. Unfortunately, Larissa's uh, well-rounded game was just too much for her. Uh, and this girl, Larissa Pacheco, I mean, I'm surprised we really haven't heard too much about her. I mean, not only did she beat Kayla Harrison, um, which is a huge deal. I mean, that was, I believe, after they announced it, that was one of the biggest upsets in the um, PFL organization's uh, uh, career or existence. So, <clears throat> surprised they don't promote her more. However... Um, this girl's an absolute dog, okay? Absolute dog. L let me just remind you all, ladies and gentlemen. So, Larissa Pacheco, she is 29 years old. She's 23 and 4 record with 11 KOs and 8 submissions. So, that's 19 out of her 23 wins, she's found a way to finish her opponent. This is a strong woman. I mean, those kind of statistics are Amanda Nunes esque. This is unreal to see. Uh, and need I remind you? Need I remind you, Yaona, that I checked the stats and she fought in Jungle uh, Jungle Fight 2013. She knocked out an Irene Aldana. 
Uh, you might recognize that name, ladies and gentlemen. She fought Amanda Nunes for the title not too long ago. She knocked her out. Larissa was 18 years old. 18 years old, she knocked out at uh, Irene Aldana. She then went on as a 19-year-old to go and fight Jessica Andrade. I don't know. You heard of her? She lost. It happens. But at 19 years old, you're fighting Jessica Andrade. And then in the and this was in the UFC. Now you're in the UFC again at 20 years old and you fight a Jermaine Durand to me. You get knocked out, unfortunately. You know, it's tough. But boy, oh boy. I mean, the careers that these women have gone on to have. And now you see what Larissa's gone on to do. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, PFL has a star and, and they're sitting on it. It's a hidden star. It's 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 covered in uh, cosmic dust here. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We need to we need to shine this puppy off. We need to show it off to the world. We got solar systems to light up here. And Larissa Pacheco is someone that can do it. I mean, she, again, has had her uh, fights with Kayla Harrison, but she has all the tools and she's still only 29 years young. I think she's someone that can transfer over. If she's done making millions of dollars in the PFL, I think you come over to the UFC and you come make a, a real name for yourself and you really solidify and validate that bridge and start to build that bridge of um, how you could cross on over and and just continue to be dominant. That would really be the next step in her career, I feel, in terms of evolution. Um, but boy, I mean, I just had to make a quick case there. I mean, she's fought those girls at 18, 19, 20 years old before she could even drink. She's in there squaring off against some of the best of the best. Win, win, lose, or draw. I mean, those are lessons learned. And hey, those lessons are paying off now. So excited to see what's next for Alyssa Pacheco. But she is a she's a savage. Great hands. She's pressure. She has a, uh, the jujitsu. Um, man, do you think she should trans over, transition over to the UFC? Or do you think she needs to continue to solidify her PFL dominance? You mean, uh, do I think Larissa Pacheco should transition over to the UFC? Correct, correct. Man, I mean, that's that's a pretty tough question, to be honest with you. I think Larissa Pacheco is an absolute beast of a, of a human being. But I got to I gotta address the elephant in the room here. She's been to the UFC. True, true. She's, she's fought in the UFC twice. She fought Jermaine, Jermaine Durandame and Jessica Andrade, and she lost to both of those women in the UFC. That's why she got cut. Um, she was 20 years old, though, brother. Look what she's done she since was then. 20 That's my only old. argument. It's my only no, argument. I, I 100% agree with you. I was just trying to play for the devil's advocate. I mean, Don't you put that evil on me. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And she's also <laughs> in a completely different weight class these days. She's much larger. If you look up the pictures of her at weigh-ins at the UFC back in the day, man, let me tell you, she does not even look like she's in the same weight class as she used to be, son. Uh, so... I mean, that being said, guys, like I, I do think that it wouldn't be crazy to let this woman back in. Uh, so <clears throat> I'm not mad at it. I say give her another shot at the UFC. And uh, with that being said, we'll go ahead and move into the next fight here. We got Hinan Ferreira coming in against Dennis Gustav Nano. Take the lead here. Let's go. Appreciate you, brother. Um, yeah, leading us off here in the co-main event of the evening, we have two big boys squaring off here in the heavyweight championship, and it, we don't need to talk about it too long because it was not that long of a fight here, right? In the second round, our boy uh, Renan Fajeda was able to go in and get a knock, a, a TKO victory over the boy Denise Gostov. Uh, Gostov was the more decorated fighter here uh, coming into it. However, Renan... I mean, this guy is just a freaking monster. You want to talk about dudes that are just 
built different. This guy at 6'8", 260. My goodness, this guy's built like an iron giant. And that's exactly how he looked out there, using a 7-inch arm reach, being able to throw a 23-mile-an-hour punch to seal the deal. Um, I mean, I'm curious to hear your breakdown a little bit more fundamentally, but I just had to just announce that this guy ran in man this guy he just looks like an absolute animal out there and uh that's somebody that's a little bit more i think of francis and speed that's the kind of guy that should be calling out of francis and not impa but uh, what were your thoughts on his performance there in the octagon last friday well i'll tell you this man that guy is uh he's a beast he's an animal um as you would probably say, he's a dog. Um, you know what I'm saying? No, I thought that he did a really good job out there. The first round did not go his way, obviously. Denis Gustav um, did a really good job of implementing his game plan, went out there, did what he needed to do to get the top position. Um, that being said, in the second round, Ferreira greeted that Russian in the middle of the cage and cracked him with a right hand over the top and slammed home another right hand right behind the ear and just knocked Golsov out where he stood. He pounced on top of him with hammer fists and forced the stoppage from the ref, prompting a life-changing $1 million life-changing lump sum of money for the young man. Um, I, I thought he did a really, really good job out there. I mean, it was two heavyweight folks going out there and just really bringing it to one another. Um, what do you expect when you got almost 500 pounds of man clashing in the middle of a cage? So absolute monster. Like Fernando's six foot eight. If that man cracks you, you got to think he's going to do damage. And that's exactly what we saw happen on Friday night. Um, now, the fight that I was most excited about and somehow least excited about at the same exact time was... Of course, the main event of the evening, guys. Um, I mean, that is a hell of a main event. The only thing that could have made that a, a better main event or a more main event main event would be if we had Bruce Buffer standing in the center of the cage announcing. It's time! You know what I mean? Olivier Aubin Mercier, a.k.a. the Canadian gangster, coming in against Clay Collard, a.k.a. Cassius Clay, a.k.a. One of my favorite fighters outside of the UFC, if I'm being completely honest here, folks. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of Dustin Poirier in his grit, his tenacity, and, I mean, honestly, just his old-school fight style, right? Like, you could just tell that if he's down in a fight, it's like you're just waiting for tumbleweeds to, to roll across the center of the octagon because you know it's going to be a freaking gunfight going into that next round. The guy is just always ready to go, always ready to throw. And he's been um, on the wrong side, in my humble opinion, of arguably some of the worst mixed martial arts decisions that I have ever seen in my entire life. And definitely in my entirety as a UFC fan or MMA fan in general. Um, I can honestly tell you that in his last handful of fights, he should have won those fights that he lost. Uh, the fight against Howish Manfio, specifically in the PFL 7 2021 playoffs. Like, he did more than enough to beat Howish Manfio, and he should have gotten the win. Um, but I digress. He didn't. Uh, and we've, we've seen it happen time and time again. We're talking about another guy that fought in the UFC. He's fought your Gabriel Benitez's. Oh, by the way, he fought against Max fucking Holloway. 
Okay, folks, uh, the man is a stud. He's also got some pretty sick tattoos. Love the Mortal Kombat tattoo. Like, love, love, love all of his tattoos, to be completely real with you. Um, that being said, this is the reason I was so not excited about this fight, because he's fighting the Canadian gangster, folks. Olivier Obama Mercier is just an absolute stud when it comes to grappling. You're talking about someone that helped GSP. Train. You're talking about someone that trained alongside GSP, getting ready for those Johnny Hendricks fights and things like that. So, I mean, the, the dude is just an absolute beast. He's an absolute stud, and you know he is going to continue to just have the same cadence and onslaught from start to finish in these fights. Now, looking at what he's able to do against Cassius Clay was definitely impressive. Uh, even as a Cassius Clay fan, the man went out there and, in my opinion, won three rounds out of five. Now, I did think that Collard won round three and round four. Um, I mean, I thought he did enough to win round three. I know it was a very close round, so that I, I could understand if you scored for Open Mercier. But round four, I mean, he was going to the body. Collard was shutting down takedowns, just shoving Olivier Obon Mercier away. Just like, the fuck back, bro. I'm done with this. Let's fight. Um, it looked good, man. Cassius Clay is an absolute warrior. He's he's one of the last of a dying breed of, in my opinion, not mixed martial artists, but fighters, right? Like he's a real fighter's fighter. He's a blue collar fighter. Just bite down on the mouthpiece and let's throw these hands kind of fighter, man. And you really love to see it. Um, that being said, though, he just he didn't have the right skill set to get it done over a Canadian gangster in Olivier Aubon Mercier. And you hate to see it because it's the first time he finally didn't get screwed over by judges and made it to the finale and just a bad matchup stylistically. What were your thoughts, Nano? Yeah, it was exactly that. A bad, uh, Although a bad matchup stylistically for our boy Cassius Clay, not a bad matchup stylistically for us viewership fans. I mean, my goodness, that was a great performance, great fight. And PFL put on a great main card event here. You love to see it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, these are two dogs. These are two old school gangsters that went in there and left it all out there. You want to talk about leaving, you know, uh, all their honor and dignity and respect in there. That's exactly what they did, man. Uh, they fought with their shields out. And um, it seems like Olivier uh, Aubin Mercier might have actually might have hung up the shield after this fight. And he may be retiring. Like you mentioned, man, he's been around since the GSP days, which is crazy to think about. Um, and he was in the UFC for a while. Honestly, he was someone that I was a fan of. He was a familiar face, a familiar name, although he did uh, have a bad 2018 and then ending his 2019 uh, losing to Armand Sarukian, who we'll be talking about here uh, on Wednesday. Spoiler, spoiler. Um, but yeah, I mean, after his departure from the UFC, I was a bit worried, not sure what was going to be next for him. But he landed in the PFL and, man, has made quite a name for himself. And I think, again, because of his success in the UFC, solidifies or helps validate PFL as an organization. This is a champion that is a legitimate dude. Could he go over to the UFC and be a champion as well? I mean, no. The real the, re the reality is, like, that division, lightweight division, is the most stacked in the world. Uh, I mean, there's another guy in the PFL or Bellator now roster in the Uzman or Margomedov, who is arguably the best lightweight on that roster who can actually transfer over and I think can be a dog in the UFC as well. 
Uh, but he got popped for PEDs, so not sure what's happening there. That is someone at 25 years old, um, and I'm now talking about Usman Nurmagomedov. Got a little sidetracked here, but that's someone. We- <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to Olivier. Uh, Olivier, great career though. Uh, I think just wanted to solidify the Canadian gangster, made a name for himself in the PFL as well, and I think laid out a good blueprint for making the transition and uh, making it successful, making a name for yourself, making some good money along the way as well, which is always the goal. Uh, but yeah, Cassius Clay did not make it easy for him by any means. I mean, the strikes landed. Um, like you said, showing out in those later rounds makes it hard for the judges. But ultimately, I guess uh, OAM, you know, found a way to get it done uh, and and edge out the victory here uh, and probably coast off into the sunset. Not sure what you do next year with Clay Collard. But um, again, I mean, PFL, Bellator, a lot of uh, talented guys on this roster now. And that lightweight division is is one we'll always enjoy talking about. But um, yeah, great performance, great main event, man, for sure. Stellar main event. I thought the main event definitely delivered on on every facet of the word, and I completely agree, man. I, I think uh, it might be the perfect time for o- OAM Olivier Obama Mercier, the Canadian gangster, to sail off into the sunset and uh, just take that victory in strike. Right? Um, it's 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 a perfect time for him to do that because he just won the second million dollar payday of his life in the PFL. Um, back-to-back pfl season wins and he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to beat the islam makachevs of the world in the ufc let's just call a spade a spade here folks um but he's damn good and if he retires maybe clay can get one let's go uh but it was a fantastic main event uh overall pretty solid card but Again, we got to uh, we got to we got to call it with no filter here, folks. I'm the one that's been harping and saying for years now that PFL is going to give the UFC a run for their money in the long run, and that they're going to be the ones that end up becoming the next big players in MMA. Um, I just simply don't know if that's going to be the case at this rate. Now, the reason that I say that is because the, the product isn't perfect, right? There's a lot of lull time between the fights. There's too much hype up videos like they they need to also hone in things right like the UFC has one product it's the UFC or maybe two products if you count like tough right they have the UFC they have tough um but that's it PFL has the PFL super fight series the PFL playoffs the PFL regular season the PFL um championships and then they also have the PFL, uh, like the non-super fights, that's just like the regular series. So like they have five separate entities. It's just hard to keep up with. You just need to have the PFL and just let it all be the PFL. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's too much. It's too hard to keep up with. Yeah, that's an interesting point, man. And that is some of my takeaways. I think as I'm you know, now learning more about PFL, uh, I'll be... For the first to say, I, I really was not um, that well in tune with what they're doing. Uh, but in honor of today's episode, and I think just as a fan of MMA, I want to you know continue to evolve, continue to grow my horizons. All right, and good job, champ. Why not get a little bit more involved in other events? And and you know if I can make time, and if they're going to be pay per views, hey, I'm all for it. But hey, if if I'm gonna start spending my money, I'm gonna get my two cents out there as well. And you hit the nail on the head, Olin. Like when it comes to production, I mean, nobody touches the UFC 
and they need to try to do as best as they can. Maybe you poach someone from there and and back up the brink truck and pay them as much as you need. Or you just try to mimic what they're doing. But everything, and they've been doing it for a long time. I mean, we're, they're 30 years in. PFL's been around for maybe two or three. So yeah, let's, I guess we got to maybe tamper expectations there. But what sucks, and the reality is, like with Bellator as well, yes, this merger is great. And these mergers do happen over time. Uh, but it just, Bellator, although there are opportunities with Showtime and their connections with other networks, I mean, Spike Network, they used to be connected with, Paramount bought them out. Are they going to go on the subscription model? CBS Sports. But Showtime is the big one that <clears throat> if they're going to be the one sponsoring these events or if they're trying to take a page out of their book, I mean, they are just absolute trash at putting on events as well. I mean, Showtime's I can't, done. Showtime is stepping away from from combat sports entirely because they suck at putting on events. They suck. They yeah, they're, suck they're forever. Pacing is the all time worst. Pacing. Um, I mean, the the going over time. I think PFL went over five hours, which is just like that's brutal. And yeah. all the dead air time. I mean, I'm not even someone that necessarily notices those things, but when there's just flat air time and you're just hearing like the crowd, like music, and there's nothing going on. And even when it is, it's just, it's unorganized. I mean, it's tough. there was, there was something I think on the pay-per-view. I remember, I think Megan Olivia it, uh, is in the hallway. She's walking and her entire monologue fits the perfect time. It takes from her walking from where the UFC fighters walk to the desk to perfectly ask Joe, John and DC a question like, but it just, if everything just flows so perfectly, really minimal dead time, obviously the fights factor there as well. But production-wise, it needs to be stepped up if there's, if we're going to be paying $50 for a pay-per-view event or if you're going to be trying to sell out arenas. I was listening to some podcasts today uh, where I think they said they sold out. It was a 2,800-person event venue. Was it actually sold out? Probably not. But again, if you can't even fill up a 2,000-person uh, venue where most UFC pay-per-view events are you know, like in T-Mobile Arena, I believe that's 16,000, 18,000 somewhere in that range. So, I mean, there's different levels, but hey, I mean, with the production, with things considered, you're paying these fighters a million dollars. And maybe that's where it boils out too. I don't want to get too much away from the fighters because at the end of the day, that's the, that's where the money's made, right? You got to put on good fights. The The bread has to be in the pudding, but the production has to make sense as well. And, and some of the dead time, yeah, cutting to Jake Paul throughout, it just it feels random. Um I think they had Wiz Khalifa on there as well, popping in where I love Wiz. I'm, I'm honestly a huge fan. But I think if you're going to want to do some of this creative stuff to capture a younger audience or to make yourself different, then maybe you do it in a more formal way. Like ESPN has like their Manning cast where Payne Manning and Eli Manning are on ESPN 2 or ESPN 3. So if you get tired of listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman commentate every game, you can actually go and listen to just like a couple of guys, like a fight companion, almost just watch the, watch the fight or watch the event. If they want to have these celebrities or have Jake Paul do it with guests like Wiz or things like that to capture a younger audience or to get more streams or to, to streamline it. Like I'm all for it, but that, that needs to be addressed. Like, I, I mean, first and foremost, like, again, if you're going to start putting these pay-per-view events and like you said too, like the seasons and all that, Although I think that logic makes sense coming from a, a sport like a football, baseball, like a team sports background, like seasons, championships, tournaments, like brackets, 
rankings. Like I, I do think all these things make sense. And there is still going to be this buffer time. Like Bellator won't really, I guess, combine until maybe the, over the next year or two. But how does that look with the rosters? And then these super fights or championship fights, you know, how do you combine these belts? How do you, yeah, how do you get it formalized? And and I think the season thing is as exciting as it is. Like, what's hard with that too? It's like these fighters made in injuries, and I always say timing is everything. Like, it's tough to, uh, yes, on the shot, brother. Uh, it's tough to uh, to coordinate that and, and to expect these fighters to fight four t- five times a year. So that's what these guys are doing right now for these seasons. They had to fight four or five times this last year to win a million dollars. That's tough. I mean, injury wise, I mean, I, I'm going to get off my high horse here real quick, but um, curious if you have any additional thoughts or, you know, whatever direction you want to go from your brother on, on PFL, on Bellator, on just maybe it was just what you think or some things you'd like to see a lot of directions we can go here. And if you're in the chat, listen, I mean, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know your two cents. I mean, this is an exciting thing. I mean, again, these mergers happen over time. Um, I actually did have some notes of like, other mergers um in 2007 ufc purchased pride fc in 09 elite xc merged with strike force in 2010 wec merged with the ufc like there's a lot of these right 2011 ufc purchased strike force like um, these things happen, i was gonna say so. the big ones are the ufc purchases right ufc is basically purchasing a lot of these big subsidiaries so that way they can use them as feeder organizations which has been their model for a long time which is why they've stayed ahead if someone starts to do well they purchase that from them um one of scott coker's biggest uh mistakes in my opinion was selling strike force to ufc and then starting up Bellator after that. Oh, um, interesting. How many how many of those strike force people ended up becoming champions or superstars? Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, Carlos Condit. Um like, like Oof, yeah, those are big every names. single person that became a Bellator superstar fucking came from Strike Force at some point. So like all these people were were who's who's and somebody's in Strike Force. And, and I mean, this is the situation that we're seeing take place now, is we could have the who's who of tomorrow fighting in PFL today. And maybe they go and they win a million dollars in PFL and then they go fight for scraps at the UFC, but it's because they know that UFC is going to make them a name. Um, But make no mistake. They will leave the PFL in a heartbeat even for less money because you need the namesake. And that namesake is what's going to get you paid once you don't want to fight anymore. Um, We're seeing it happen now time and time again, more often than not. And I mean, it's a beautiful thing to see seeing these fighters get paid once they're done. But again, at the same time, it doesn't happen unless you have a namesake who, uh, who who's commentating for the PFL. Kenny Florian, ex UFC champion, Randy Couture, ex UFC champion. And fuck, fuck, fuck. I gosh, for the life of me, I can't remember the last. Oh wait, he's my favorite uh, one on the, on the, uh, the booth here. It's Oh, Sean O'Connell, the funniest guy from the UFC weigh-ins never came close to winning UFC gold, but what did he do? He's on numerous viral videos for being funny at weigh-ins. He made a name for himself so that we could do something outside of the octagon. He's the funny guy in the PFL commercials. He's also the third man on the mic when you're listening and watching these PFL fights. So, like the proof's in the pudding, guys. Like, I don't want to be a dick and say, like, you have to be in the UFC to be somebody, but even the people that don't have to fight to make money in the PFL, where were they? They were in the UFC. They did yeah, that. That's facts. That's facts, brother. That's a good call. 
And I think that's kind of where they need to maybe position themselves of trying to get more of these older guys or guys that get into these negotiation talks. You keep poaching some of them and they've done it in the past, but it does. ah, What do you think about the crossover? Like, did you feel like, because like you mentioned, a strike force or even Bellator. I mean, Bellator, Michael Chandler. I think, I think there, the crossover so. is the way to go. Uh, the crossover, yeah. like p- pulling people from Bellator into PFL is the way to go. Not doing PFL versus Bellator because then you water down the PFL product with something that's not going to exist in tomorrow, tomorrow's years. Right? Like what if you go four and one out of five against Bellator champions, against your PFL champions? Well, now Bellator is better. And you could have just brought those guys over and built them up in PFL. Um, That's so true. Yeah. And then, then we're Bellator and then now it's, yep. Yep. Facts. You, you got to play it smart. You got to play it like very, very close tuned. So that way you can make changes on the fly with these types of things. Um, but I think the biggest play and the best play is definitely going to be to bring in those Bellator folks, have them make a name for themselves under the PFL banner because Continuing with more Bellator cards like the plan is right now, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. And if if you want to continue to be different, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe take it a step further with the seasons thing, right? Like you want to have a season format, right? Why don't we do MMA teams? Why don't we have I like, like that. Uh, a Rampage Jackson be a coach of an MMA team? And there's like three teams or like let's let's say there's like five teams per weight class so there's like five teams of lightweights five teams of heavyweights five teams of welterweights and then they have an accumulation of points and then those guys split the prize pot at the end of the season and then you have a team season winner rather than one season winner for the weight class so like team rampage wins the season i like evans wins the season like i don't know I, i think that'd be a lot of fun uh, we'd have to like workshop some stuff, obviously, but you know, fuck, I, th- I think it'd be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, it's time. Let's go, brother. Salut, brother. Cheers to the listeners. Cheers to another episode. If you're in this deep, pour yourself something or take a hydration shot or uh, do whatever you do best. Do whatever you do, baby. Uh, do whatever you love doing. And Absolutely. also, give yourself a pat on the back for, for sticking it out with us. We love having you guys here, and uh, we all we appreciate every single one of you. Um, now, moving into the next topic here, <sighs> Bellator, PFL, all of these things, they're, they're all fantastic, right? Um, man, we have a hell of a fight card coming up. On Saturday, we're going to break that entire card down on Wednesday, obviously. But man, is there any fights that stand out to you that you're most excited about? Obviously, other than the main event. There honestly are. Let me quickly pull up the prelims as well. Because there was one event either since I think Jalen Turner's off of that still, correct? Uh, no, just kidding. Sorry, that was Dan Hooker that's off. Jalen Turner replaced him. <clears throat> yes, yes. Jalen Turner is stepping in to fight Bobby Green on short notice. Absolute dog. That's a, that's a uh, fun one. There are, man. Yeah, honestly, so, I mean, someone I'm excited to see again is the prelim main event is Misha Tate getting back in there against the Julia Avila. Uh, but on the main card, I mean, dude, I think, to be honest, the one I'm super excited about is Sean Brady versus Kelvin Gastelum. 
that's, that's gonna be baby. a freaking barb burner bro that's one of, that's my main event card right there that's the one i'm i'm gonna need to make sure i'm in front of the tv dialed in for what about you, I'm brother? With you i'm gonna be here for all of them you know that um but it's not very often where like i'm super stoked about the very first prelim of the day and this is one of those nights where i am i actually really really like veronica macedo um aka i love that Veronica Hardy and, and I mean she went out there and she tore apart Veronica Killer Miller in her last outing and you know I'm a Veronica Killer Miller fan she trains out here in San Diego big fan shout out and uh I, I thought Veronica Hardy went out there and just did her dirty man she massacred that poor girl so I want to see if she got lucky because of who she was going with and, and the fact that Killer Miller has a striking deficit against her or is all that training that she's been doing with her husband Dan Hardy the outlaw, the kid, uh, hasn't really been paying off like that, paying off dividends. You know what I mean? So I think Veronica Macedo, a.k.a. Veronica Hardy, coming in against Jamie Lynn Horth should be a really, really fun fight. Jamie Lynn Horth is undefeated. Um, and I mean, honestly, just running up the whole freaking prelims. Jared Gooden coming in against Wellington Terman. Those two guys are just going to move forward until one of them goes to sleep. Uh, Rodolfo Bellato coming in against Ihor Poteria. Um, you might know him as the guy who did the weird dance after he knocked out a legend. Yep. That'll be a fun one. Uh, <laughs> Steve Garcia, that guy's just scrappy as all hell. And he's coming in against the only guy I know that's just as scrappy as him in that division. Melchizel Costa fucking just beast. Joe Selecki. Joe Selecki is on this card. Emiliano, what year is it right now? <laughs> that's a throwback. Come on. I'm telling you, bro. It feels like it. Uh, so, I mean, there's there's just a lot to love. And he, by the way, Joe Selecki's fighting fucking Drakkar close. What a banger. Um, Zachary Reese, undefeated up-and-comer, coming in against Cody Brundage, who I don't know if he knows the definition or, or how to say the word no when it comes to signing that dotted line. Clay Guida comes Clay back. Clay Guida. My goodness. 38 and Without 20 hair. record. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both Clay Guida. Oh man, dude! Oh no, that's sad. I mean, sad he doesn't he doesn't have the long hair anymore, so it's 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 an odd look for sure. But I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what he does out here against Joaquin Silva. Joaquin Silva is no joke. No, he's a beast. And then Rob oh, man. Font, man, I I don't know if you already Rob mentioned that. But... And Davy, Figgy, bro, we haven't seen Figgy in a while, brother. I'm I'm excited to see him in this new division. See how he does. I think Figgy's gonna get smoked. Oh, I think he's gonna get lit the hell up. We're gonna oh, break that entire no. fight down. It's yeah, you're not gonna like my breakdown on that one. I don't think. Um, can't wait, brother. Can't wait. Yeah, we're gonna break that one down. Uh, yeah, we're gonna break that one down for sure. I so we will definitely it. be breaking down. We're gonna talk about it. Um, yeah. So with that being said, that's next week's episode. Um, after that episode, obviously, we're gonna break that down. Uh, our reactions. And then jump into Song versus Gutierrez, and then UFC 296. And then I believe, as usual, UFC 296 is going to wrap up the UFC events for the year. They will have hit their UFC quota or event quota for the ESPN uh, allotment that they have. So what does that mean for the MMA Anomaly Show No Filter? Uh, it doesn't mean that we sleep. It doesn't mean that we take those those following weeks off. It means that we find other topics in combat sports to go over. And one of my favorite episodes of the entire year, um, one of my favorite things to do in the entire year is to have you guys that follow me on here 
and, and Instagram and Twitter and everywhere you follow me, basically go to my Twitter. So that way you can vote on polls. And I'm going to set up a bunch of different topics, a bunch of different options. And me and Nano here, super stoked to have a co-host for this one this time around. We are going to do a um, MMA Anomaly Presents, the MMA Anomaly 2023 MMA Awards. So um, we'll have your normal topics or, or normal categories like best fighter, best male fighter of the year, best female fighter of the year, best knockout of the year, best breakout fighter or breakthrough fighter of the year and then of course we'll have you know your more obscure topics which please in the chat throughout the coming few weeks if you have a category that you think would be a fun one drop it in the chat below i'll throw a poll up on twitter for it and if you have nominations for that that actual category that you have throw those in the chat too we'll throw them in there so um you know things things that i'm talking about here some examples like UFC or MMA fighter most likely to rob a bank. Um, MMA fighter that you would most like to have a drink with. Uh, again, th- these Best possibilities hair. are limitless. Anything. Yeah, you mean anything? Um, if if Ben the Bane Davis is down to submit uh, another submission of his answers for each topic that'd be awesome i know last time he threw out billy Cornillo as the weakest fighter on the mma roster <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're homies uh yes, so, it was like an inside joke but anyways i digress would love to have all of you guys participate the more the merrier when it comes to that um honestly one of my favorite episodes uh the earlier we can start getting those polls going the earlier we can get those topics and uh rather categories going the better Obviously, if there are some crazy, crazy things going on on December 16th, those will instantaneously be added to the list because recency bias. Am I right, people? Um, yeah, super stoked about it. Look out for those. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. It is at MMA Anomaly. You can see it below right here. Uh, and make sure you're also following Jive Turkey Talk as well. Those uh, polls, you'll be able to find them on both of our pages because he will be retweeting them as co-host. That is one of the co-host duties. Uh, and you can, you can damn sure bet that he is on top of those co-host duties. So... That's it, folks. We appreciate you dropping in. We appreciate you stopping in. And more importantly, we appreciate you staying in. So we hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. We hope you had just as good of a Black Friday. If you don't celebrate either of those two things, we hope you had a fantastic Thursday and Friday off, hopefully. And um, we also hope you have a a happy Chris Mahana Quantica in the upcoming month or whatever it is that you celebrate, if we missed any of them, and that weird combination of the words. Uh, That was a good one. You want to say to the people. I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, great episode. Appreciate y'all. And um, yeah, end of the year, MMA Anomaly Award Show. So bring them in, flood our inbox with what you want to hear. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get down. I think I'm going to dress up. I'm going to pull out all the stops here. So we'll spoiler event and see y'all Wednesday. Let's go. Make it a great week. Oh, baby. Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa to you and your fam. And uh, we will see you in just a couple days. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, 
Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.